You mentioned pressures with getting married or changing careers. Do you ever face that pressure as a woman? The people oh come God, to you yes. and they're like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? And how do you deal with that pressure? That is like the premise of my journey on season three of Family Karma. So please <laughs> tune in. And like, if you're struggling with that, like you can just watch me go through hell, like pretty much because yeah, girl, it was hard. It was really hard. I really don't think that I was asked anything until I turned 29. 29 transitioning into 30 was like the worst year. Turning 30 was a full-blown panic attack. 31 was actually beautiful. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I have to first of all say that I can't believe that we are at episode number 66. <laughs> that is wild. I still remember when I was dropping my first episode and how nervous I was. And I was like, is anybody going to listen to this? But I'm happy that you are listening and that you are loving the show. And to just start off by saying that your comments and your reviews mean so much. And if you can leave that five-star rating and review on Apple, it means the absolute world. And I just wanted to read one that I recently got from Michaela. Michaela Habib. The review goes like this. The bestie we all need. Coco is genuine, inspiring, and a wonderful virtual mentor for leveling up your standards in your life, not just in dating, but across the board. The guests on the podcast are equally inspiring, and Coco always asks thoughtful, well-thought-out questions. I look forward to every new episode. Well, thank you, dear Michaela. I definitely have an inspiring guest today, and her name is Monica Moswani. Some of you may recognize her from the reality TV show called Family Karma on Bravo, so in this episode, we're going to dive headfirst into the world of being a minority influencer and reality TV sensation. So Family Karma is a reality TV show, and it's an intimate look at seven Indian American friends navigating love, life, and careers. And I had the pleasure of chatting with Monica Vaswani for a Bougie Best Friend podcast. And in this episode, we discussed growing up as a minority, being a minority influencer, creating financial stability, her experience as a reality TV star. How, what's the process even? Like, how do you get cast for a reality TV show, how was her experience on the show, how to make your own reality. Then we discussed, obviously, some female topics because those are my favorites. So we talked about freezing your eggs and she gave us her best tips when it comes to starting a career in the social media space and reality TV sensation. So once again, please click that follow and subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And let's now dive into the episode. Monica, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, today we're talking about pretty much your journey to Bravo TV, your content creation journey as a South Asian woman, and all about just like, you know, daily lives of us women nowadays. It's not easy, I gotta say. So let's start with your background. Tell me where you're from. Where did you grow up? I was born in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, but I was raised in South Florida, both my parents, my grandparents were all born in India. So I'm kind of that first generation Indian American, which has been a beautiful journey because I've been able to really see the best of both worlds. I have all of my cousins, all of my aunts, my uncles, huge Indian family, all based in Bombay, and I'm the only one here. So I feel mm -hmm. like I've been on this constant journey of bringing over the culture from there, but then also trying to get my parents to adapt to the ways of an average American, whether that means going to like a football game or a basketball game. These are things and concepts that like I didn't grow up with that I'm kind of mm -hmm. introducing into our family, which is 
really fun to share. And tell me how how big is your family? You have siblings? No, I'm the only child. Interesting my, for an Indian yeah. family. That's interesting. I know. And my parents are divorced. So it got even like split up even wow. smaller, which was like, you know, a journey in and of itself. But we're, we're getting there. You know, we're getting there. So tell me growing up in uh, South Florida, you said that you're a first generation immigrant. And how was that for you? Like growing up here and then, you know, you have your roots there. I know for me, as I'm born and raised in Croatia, I moved to the US when I was 22. Mm-hmm. At some point, I was like, where do I belong? If I go back to mm. Croatia, I don't feel like I belong there. If I go, I mean, if I'm here, I feel like I belong here. But then I also see like all these traditions, like you just said, like football games. I don't know anything about football. I know a lot about soccer. But just how was that experience for you growing up? Like, do you ever feel torn? Or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, that's how I described it is like, if I go to India, I feel they they see me as an American. But if I'm Mm -hmm. in America, they see me as an Indian. So there was never really like a midpoint where I felt like I truly belonged. I do think that right now we have, we're kind of on this climax of representation for our community. Indians, you know, right now are just, they're getting their moment and people are being introduced to our cuisine. We're being introduced to culture, which is so amazing. Yeah, it's been a struggle. You know, I think that I was always the girl in school that was bringing like my Indian dishes to class. I did not care what anybody had to say. I was just so ready to share the culture. I wanted everybody to watch Bollywood movies. I was always doing dance performances. Like I was not embarrassed at all. I wanted everybody to see what our culture was about. I wanted to bring my friends to the temple. I wanted to bring them to our New Year Diwali. I was just always very proud of it. But Right now, it's it's like a full circle moment for me because I see people eating butter chicken. I see people drinking mango lessies and like listening to Nachu Nachu from the Oscars. So it's a really, really, really proud moment to see everyone take notice and appreciate the culture. Would you say it was difficult for you growing up? Like you said that you were always proud of who you are, which I absolutely respect. But did you ever feel different or did you ever feel like people are looking at you differently? Or like, I know when I come here... Mm. People don't really know that I'm an immigrant, but when I start speaking, they they kind of sometimes they change their attitude somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, if I'm being honest, um, maybe like when my friends came over, like came to my house for a sleepover and we weren't having like burgers for dinner. Like I, I'm, I was raised with like a vegetarian family and like my mom is cooking with all these spices like for our dinner that night. And, you know, so I think like in moments like that, like they'd be like, what's that incense? Cause we would have like, you know, the ugger, but these like, yeah. you know, burning in our home. Um, but I was very lucky in the sense that it was in South Florida, we're a huge mm-hmm. melting pot. And I feel like everyone's so proud of where they come from. So I remember my middle school pep rallies, people would have the flag of Brazil or Colombia or Cuba. And I was like, wait, like I maybe <laughs> didn't have a whole crew behind me, but I was ready to rep it because everybody was so proud of where they came from. So mm-hmm. I can't say that like I ever ex- experienced like, anything negative, if I'm being very honest. I would actually say now as an adult, jumping into the influencer space, that it's been very difficult to find opportunities because I feel like there's if there's 10 slots for a campaign, they're giving one to a minority. Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting for that slot against, you know, maybe 20 other women in this space, but I feel like it's been harder. I feel like there hasn't been 
enough opportunity for someone like me that is ready to share the cultural aspect, but as well as fashion and beauty and lifestyle. So if there was ever a moment that I felt, okay, this is getting, this is a little difficult and I feel like I'm a minority, it's actually right now. But before that, I never really felt it. Interesting. And I'm happy that you brought up uh, the influencing stuff because that was actually my next question. How did you get into the influencing space? And eventually, obviously, you're on a reality show on Bravo. So let's start with the influencing and like your social media career. Where did that come from? You know, I've been very blessed and very lucky that, you know, the show has given me this platform and I've been able to have a very loyal fan base from the show that I've been able to kind of turn around on my social media platform. And that was always something that I wanted to do and always wanted to grow. But uh, I think the show was a great stepping stepping point for me to get a following and kind of, you know, kind of uh, have it accelerate from there with my own hard work. But building that community of women, man, it has been such an incredible opportunity. I'm so grateful. I think that that's one thing that I always tell them is that like, I'm so forever grateful for them supporting me because I truly believe that I'm surrounded by some of the kindest women. And like my audience is 86% women. <laughs> we have like a 14% male. Um, but you know, I think that the women on my platform, they're just so kind. They're so supportive. I treat them like my family. When I go on IG lives, I really feel like I'm talking to a bunch of my girlfriends in the room. It's like a FaceTime. So I, I, I'm very blessed for that, you know, but it's been, it's been really nice to be able to, you know, get creative on this space because for six years before this, I was in corporate America mm -hmm. and I got to tell you, there was a moment where I really felt like I had lost my creativity and I was always very creative growing up and my God, I could spend hours at like Michael's and, you know, spend hundreds of dollars on a school project because I loved being crafty and I loved creating and then, you know, graduating college and, you know, going into this space of, you know, just sitting at a desk for hours and hours a day. It was something that I was proud of because, you know, I went to school, I got a degree, I was trying to be this professional to make my, my family proud. But at the same point in time, there was something that was changing me, you know, that routine was changing me and it really wasn't sparking that creativity like I had had before. And I didn't know what to blame it on. I was like, well, maybe it's because I'm an adult now. Like maybe when I was a kid, like, you know, I had this, this spunk, you know, and maybe I've lost it. Maybe that like little magic is gone. But in the last year, I transitioned into doing content creation full time and doing a television show full time. And it's finally, I finally feel like I'm getting it back, which has been such a nice journey. Interestingly enough, I have a large Indian following. So I'm very happy to have you here. So you kind of, you know, you can speak to them because I know growing up as a minority sometimes is not easy and they're facing the similar challenges that you might be facing. I mean, all of us are facing, but I think sometimes in certain cultures is more extreme, like impressing your Indian parents to become a doctor or a lawyer or something mm -hmm. in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. Can you speak more on that? And how did you finally get out of the corporate world? Also, what did you go to school for? And what did you, uh, what was your job when you were in the corporate world? Yeah. So I was actually, I got my degree in organizational communication. I worked in that sector of HR for six years, but in the tech field. So I was 
essentially a software specialist amongst an HR program. And then, you know, I got this incredible opportunity to do the show. But to be very honest, for years when I was younger, my mom used to rehearse with me. Like, when you know, when you're a small kid and someone's like, what do you want to be when you get older? And my mom would be like, go ahead, tell them you want to be an you know, like a OBGYN, <laughs> like you want to be like a surgeon. Yeah. She would literally rehearse my answer from such a young age that I would always say doctor, mm-hmm. you know, I'd always say doctor. And I was like president of the pre-med club. I was, you know, president of the engineering club. I was a straight A student. I thought that I wanted to get into a six-year med program. I started off my like college career actually being pre-med. And I just remember like my first like college bio class. I was like, uh, like <laughs> this is not for me. Like I cannot visualize any of this stuff. It's not clicking up here. Like I was great at it in high school. That transition into college was so much more intense that I was just like, I don't know if I want to give up my life for the next 10 years going down this path. I just, I don't want it. I don't want it at all. So I switched majors, went the business route, which is actually, I come from a family of business owners. So mm-hmm. To make that switch, they were like, oh, here we go. Like, we tried so hard with this one to get one doctor in the family, but it didn't work out. But, you know, I have to say that I think it just, it came with a lot of me proving myself. You know, my parents, they have such high expectations of me. Academics was super important. Um, I grew up doing Kumon. Like, that was, like, my extracurricular activity was, like, Mm -hmm. multiplication and, like, calculus, you know. But... Um, making that switch, I was like, all right, well, if I do this, I have to do it in such a bulletproof way that my family knows that like I made it, you know, like I I always like joked around that like, if I'm going to go into acting, like I better become like Angelina Jolie. Like I have to be something big. Otherwise it's like, you're nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and my parents are very supportive and they'll never vocalize, you know, disappointment or expectations, but it's just kind of like that unsaid thing within Mm -hmm. our entire community that I was like, okay, you know, I I really have to make them proud if I'm going to make this transition. So I promised myself that I went to school for four years. I got this degree. I'm going to use it in the, in the field and I'm going to do something with it that I studied because I don't want all of their, you know, their money to go to waste and their time and energy. And I really used that career to give me the security and the stepping stone to be able to do what I'm doing now. So I lived at home. I saved every penny. I've had a job since I was 15. Every paycheck that I made went straight into like direct deposit in my savings account. Didn't see it. Just like created a huge cushion for myself to be able to take this plunge now into a creative field. And I think that, you know, that made my parents feel a little bit more settled because while everyone talks about the pressures of, you know, our Indian immigrant parents wanting us to become doctors, engineers, and lawyers, let's break it down. Like they just want to make sure that when they're not here one day that you're good financially because they've had to struggle so much in their lives that I think that, you know, that kind of gets lost somewhere in the messaging, you know, but really all they want is for us to be able to achieve anything that we want, buy anything that we want, go on any vacation and not have to stress about money the way that they did. So, you know, I think that for my parents, that was one message that they always sent very straight and very clear to me, which was, 
We want you to be happy in whatever you do, but we want to make sure that you can stand on your own two feet and that you're financially independent. So I really, you know, that that got driven home for me a little bit quicker when my parents got divorced. And I was like, all right, I have to make sure that I take this off of their plate. I don't want them to stress about having to pay for my extracurriculars or if I go to the movies with friends or if I want to buy a new outfit. Like I wanted to take that load off of them completely. And that's when my work ethic kind of kicked in. So you mentioned that you were lucky enough to have a very supportive family and they were always making sure that whatever you're doing, you're happy, but they want to make sure that you're financially secure. For somebody who's listening to this and their family is just not supportive and they might be in the similar situation, they maybe want to change fields. Is there any advice you can share that kind of can help them in their situation right now? Yeah, I would definitely say come up with a plan, you know, be realistic about it. Because I feel nowadays, if your passion for something creative is so much, right, it can kind of get lost in this world where we have bills and we have to actually support ourselves and we have, you know, responsibilities. And I, I think it's 100% achievable to go down that path of creativity and turning it into something that can pay your bills. But until you get to the point where you can take that risk, make sure that you have something funding Mm -hmm. your daily life and figure out a way to maybe cut back your expenses so then that way you're able to save more to give yourself a cushion for when you're ready to take that plunge. Mm -hmm. That would be my number one piece of advice. If you're living at home and your parents aren't supportive, do what you got to do to make the money in, let's say, a medical field cut back all your expenses. I mean, I literally probably spent 20% of like my paycheck every month. If that, if that, Mm -hmm. you know, because I, you know, growing up South Asian, our parents want us to live at home. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a benefit. Like I'm going to live at home, but I'm going to save as much as I can. And then hopefully, you know, when I'm ready to move out, I can purchase my own home. Or I could take that money and start a business. Like I can invest it. So just be smart about utilizing your setup. You know, we're so blessed and we're so lucky that we have parents that want us to live with them that are so like ready to bring food to our room to make sure that we're okay to like, you know, just kind of shower us with so many luxuries that other people are not, you know, like some people don't have that. And I'm very aware, but if your parents are giving it to you and they're all they want in return is to see you successful or in a specific field, Figure out a midpoint to where you can use that money to fund your creative avenue. I love that. And you're absolutely right that some people don't have that luxury. I mean, as far as I know, most Americans get literally kicked out when they're 18 and they're like, okay, now you figure it out on your own. Like whatever we taught you this far, you know, that's it. Let's talk about your reality TV career. First of all, was that something that you wanted to do ever? Was that ever like like a vision board moment? Tell me, how did you, first of all, did you want to be in a reality TV show? Which obviously I guess you were since you are in one. But how did that happen? Yeah, so I always loved being in front of the camera. I always knew that I wanted to do something in film. I always knew that I wanted to I didn't know if it was like being an actress. I didn't know if it was doing content creation. I didn't know if it would be on a reality TV show. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I just knew that I loved it. And, you know, I just didn't have the opportunity. And really what I had visualized for myself very early on was kind of this romanticized version of what Bollywood is, you know? And I saw these like beautiful Indian women that look just like me. And I was seeing them dance and, you know, lip sync. You didn't have to be a singer. You could just lip sync. And where, you know, it was just, 
was so vibrant that that really sucked me in. But then I had a dilemma. (laughs) One year I was like ready to, you know, join the Miss India pageant. I was like, maybe pageantry, because a lot of these, um, these win- winners from a pageant, they'll then get opportunities mm-hmm. into the film industry. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, sign up for Miss India. And then they're like, are you born in this country? <laughs> and I was like, no. And they're like, well, you can't represent Miss India. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that I, like, I didn't realize the disconnect yeah. there. I'm actually like, I, I can't, you know, kind of be in that space. And then I quickly realized, wait a minute, I don't even speak Hindi well. Like, how am I going to be able to be in these movies unless they're dubbing me? Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So, you know, I kind of gave up that dream. I was like, oh, maybe it was just like immaturity. Like, you know, I just... I mean, you were looking up to these women and it's very natural to be like, oh, I want to be one of those. Yeah. You know, and then I was kind of like, man, like, what was I thinking? Like, you know, like I just had this silly dream. I got to let it go now, you know? And so then that's when I put my head down and I started working in corporate America and I would do um, different modeling gigs and like commercial work. I was like in a blue cross, blue shield commercial (laughs) or like a skincare commercial. Like I was doing all these different things that I found to be so fun, but um One day I'm at my desk and I'm like in my cubicle on my computer. I check my phone and I have a Facebook message asking me if I want to cast for a television show that's going to be based out of a casting agent. Mm -hmm. And so um, I guess they found my profile or, or were referred to me by word of mouth within the community. And I was like, the, the only thing that I said was like, hell yes. Like, yes. You know, but I was like, man, like, what is this? Like, is this like some, like, like you know, weird short, yeah. like a short film in Wynwood? <laughs> like, I don't know, like, you know, what is this? But I said, yes. And that's like something that I always do is I always say, yes, I always entertain everyone's conversation or opportunity that they're, you know, kind of bringing my way. And then I kind of decide whether I want to do it or not, but I always entertain it and say, yes. So I led with that and I had no idea what network it would be on. I had no idea like what the premise of the show was going to be. They just wanted to know a little bit more about myself. And it ended up being for Bravo, which that I feel like I manifested because I was the biggest Bravo fan. The biggest. I watched all the shows. I've been watching them from like season one of like the OC, like which was like the first franchise. So I've watched all of them. And I was like, no fucking way. Like, I cannot <laughs> believe that this, like, are you sure it's Bravo? You know, I kind of just like went from there. It just, it happened very quickly in a sense, like slowly yet quickly because mm-hmm. they were immediately sold when we did our casting tape and they were like, we love you, you're in. And then it was like the process of actually getting started, which took quite some time. Yeah, it, it just ended up happening for me, which which I, I feel like I manifested some of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love to talk more about that process when you first like got that message, then you went through these interviews for somebody who might want to be in reality TV and maybe they're listening to this conversation and getting super inspired to, you know, maybe open their eyes to these opportunities and answer those messages and emails. Can you walk us through the process, like how it is to actually be casted for a show? So like you said, you were doing like Zoom interviews or how did it look? Yeah. So it was Zoom interviews, you know, of course, like the premise of our show has a lot to do with like our family, you know, our, our gener- like three different generations, our grandparents, our parents and us. So it was really trying to get a sneak preview into like, who is this family? Like, what are you about? And like, what's your story? What are your struggles? What are your strengths? Who are you like in this, you know, very tight knit Indian uh, 
family, right? Essentially, because we all kind of consider ourselves like family. And, you know, that's somewhat of where I think a lot of my identity came from. You know, like you asked me earlier, did you ever feel like you didn't belong? And I have to credit like our little association here because we have something called the Cindy Association of South Florida where all of these families that immigrated here they came together so our grandparents came together and they're like hey listen how are we going to like pass down the culture to the next generation let's throw a children's the volley show where all the kids do dances let's do a Chichi Chun festival that's celebrating this auspicious holiday at the beach or like we would just come up with different events throughout the year so then now I was surrounded by all of these other Indian kids and I felt like I had somewhere that I belonged, you know, and I, I knew that I could go to school and be surrounded by all of my non-Indian friends. And that was fun. And that was great. But then I also had my Indian friends that I was going to see on the weekends with my parents. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. And it was a beautiful, beautiful kind of like mixture of two different cultures and trying to find and make it our own. So tell me, what is the show about exactly for those who've never seen it, but they're probably going to tune in after this conversation? Yeah. So Family Karma is about essentially five different families, their journey here in Miami and the struggles and the conversations that take place with our families, just kind of going on this journey of leading a very American life, but yet trying to maintain our culture and preserve our culture from India and having conversations with our parents that really challenge sometimes the social and cultural norms of maybe um, how people would like things to be versus us kind of having tougher conversations with them. So for example, my parents were divorced in the community. This is something that you're not supposed to talk about. It's kind of like keep it, you know, swept mm-hmm. under a rug and just pretend like everything's okay. Don't ever talk about like what happened and don't ever talk about, you know, the fights or like, it's like, you're not allowed to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. But I came to my parents and was like, listen, I've gotten this opportunity to do this show. They're going to ask me questions and they're going to dig. Like I was very well aware of that the producers were going to ask, you know, all these super intrusive questions that I'm not used to answering or kind of like very good at diplomatically answering. But either I'm going to play stupid or I can tell the truth and have a lot of other kids that are in the position that I was in to be able to relate to, you know? So Mm -hmm. I asked them for their, you know, their blessing. Like, would you allow me to speak on this? Is it okay? How do you feel about it? We just had a very open and honest conversation and my parents were great. They were like, don't lie, tell your truth, you know, like feel, you know, we don't want you to hide anything. And it was done so beautifully that I think that the audience really um, has an opportunity to resonate with each of our stories, whether that's coming out as being gay, whether that, you know, is coming from a divorced background, whether that's the pressure of getting married, whether that's the pressure of not being in a career that you're so happy with. It's all of those conversations, very real and authentic conversations that take place at the table with us you know, on this cast, just very wholesome, very wholesome, mm-hmm. very beautiful, and also very funny. You mentioned pressures with getting married or changing careers. I am 31, almost 32 now, and I don't feel much pressure from my family, but my mom does mention sometimes, oh, when I was your age, I had two kids already and blah, blah, blah. Do you ever face that pressure as a woman that people oh come God, to you yes. and they're like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? And how do you deal with that pressure? <laughs> 
<laughs> that is like the premise of my journey on season three of Family Karma. So please <laughs> tune in and like if you're struggling with that, like you can just watch me go through hell, like pretty much because yeah, girl, it was hard. It was really hard. I really don't think that I was asked anything until I turned 29. 29, transitioning into 30 was like the worst year. Turning 30 was a full-blown panic attack. 31 was actually beautiful. It was beautiful. It was me being so proud to be entering this next decade of my life. It's been a year of feeling so fulfilled with what I do for work. It's a year of realizing that I have a very strong tribe of relationships around me that aren't marriage or children. It's been it's been a year of me like feeling very comfortable in my skin, but it wasn't difficult to it it was difficult to get here. It was very difficult to get here because I think that there was constant questions, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? You know, you won't be able to have kids after this age and what's your plan? What's your plan? What's your plan? And you know, we just came out of this pandemic. So once we came out of it, it was like everything was accelerated and you know, we just mm -hmm. lost like 3 years just sitting at home. So yeah, I went through quite a bit of getting scrutinized on that topic. Are there any tangible steps or advice that you can give other women who might not? I, I love that you said that you're very comfortable in your skin. You know who you are. And I feel like that literally happened to me the past year. It's something about turning 30, 31, 32, the Saturn return or something, I don't know, astrological. It's there's there's something there. And I feel like at some point you just stopped caring what people think and you're just very happy with who you are. But for some women who might not be there just now, is there something that you can suggest or any type of tips that you can share how to like step into that power of loving yourself and not really caring what people say? You know, I think I romanticized for so long marriage, having children, buying a home that I never, ever, ever thought like, what if I don't get those things at this age and I'm in a career and I'm solo traveling and I'm with my girlfriends? Like I never romanticized that. I would say don't have a picture of what your life should be. You know, don't get caught up in the fairy tale create your own, kind of imagine any possible avenue and pivot. You know, I think I wish I would have been a little bit more like I transitioned beautiful. Like I think I would always fight the current and everything doesn't go according to plan. And sometimes mm -hmm. when that doesn't happen, transition with ease and find the beauty in where you're at. And don't put so much pressure on maybe not having, you know, like the picture perfect setup at a certain age. It's okay. And now at 31, I feel like I find now it almost scares me to have a child. Now I'm kind of like on this wave of like, uh, I'm like, I really love my life. Like, I don't know yeah. if I want to change it, you know? And I kind yeah. of feel, um, more empowered to, you know, freeze my eggs and take that pressure. Like go take the checkup, find out how fertile, like figure out where your body's at and come up with a solution, come up with a plan if you're not ready to have children right at this moment or you don't have, you know, like just just find different avenues to feel a little bit more secure and wherever you're at in your life. You mentioned egg freezing. That's something that I actually wanted to do and I might do in the next year or so. I just have to do some more research because I had an ovarian surgery a few months ago. And ever since then, I'm just getting more aware and cautious about these things. Yeah. 
did you do? Did you freeze your eggs or is it something you were thinking about? So I actually just switched my insurance to mm -hmm. one that like covers a lot of um, fertility testing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't cover the actual treatment of it, but at least it, it's going to cover the testing to see where I'm at. So mm -hmm. that's what I plan on doing this year is just going through all the testing and then actually doing the egg freezing because, you know, I've... TikTok's like a beautiful place. And like, I've heard so many women's stories and I just want to protect myself and my future and my dreams. If I decide to never, you know, have a child, that's okay. That's on me. But if I decide, you know, six years from now that I want a family, then I want to be able to have that option. I want to be able to feel you know, and I don't think it's an insurance plan because like I was listening to this doctor and she's like, freezing your eggs is not like an insurance policy. Like it's not always a success is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. You know, mm -hmm. you may freeze your eggs and it may not work, but at least give yourself that, especially if you're like in your late 20s. Like I would tell every girl, just do it. Save up your money. Think it's like $10,000. Go ahead. Just freeze them. Like go to like work for a company that covers yeah. egg freezing. If you're at Google <laughs> girl, do two rounds. Like you're covered. Like that's like the beauty of being a part of a tech company. Like they cover all this stuff. So just be smart about you know, kind of safeguarding your options. You mentioned TikTok and social media. How do you handle haters? How do you handle the pressure of constantly being online and constantly, you know, putting on a face and also being in a, on a reality show? How do you how do you manage those days when you just feel like shit and you just want to be in bed the entire day, but here you are having to put on a face? Um, I, I'm usually pretty honest about it. You know, like if I'm, I went through actually a, like a pretty rough, last year. And there was about two months where I was like, I don't want to like get on here. I don't want to like, I don't feel like it. I don't know what to say. I don't know. Like I just was, I was in a funk. I took some time off. And then when I came back, I was like, Hey, I'm back, but this is what <laughs> happened. You know, like I wasn't feeling like myself. I had a death in the family. Like this is what I'm going through. And everybody's just very kind when it comes to dealing with trolls or haters I have to be honest I don't have too many <laughs> like I I really am blessed that way that like I'm so protective over the community that I have because we just like I don't tolerate it in mm -hmm. fact I'm the type of person that if sent, somebody sends me a nasty message in my inbox I'm like well why do you feel that way like I let them know that I'm a real person that mm -hmm. I read your message I'm responding back to you sometimes I get witty with it and I like you know <laughs> like I'm sending a prayer for you love and light like I just like <laughs> I like send like silly emojis like sticking my tongue out like I'm super playful about it I don't take it to heart um if something really bothers me I'll delete it so I don't have to like see it or have you know just like have it be like the tone on my page but to be honest I just think I'm I respond back to everybody. Like I mm -hmm. respond back to all of them. I'm such a fool. Like even in traffic, if somebody has road rage, like I'm the girl that's like sticking your tongue out, like, mm, like have a nice day. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm just like, I don't take any of them too seriously. And then they start laughing and it's like, you just like broke the tension and like yeah, <laughs> you yeah. turned and it around can move you know? on with their day <laughs> I feel like I I make it my challenge to make them turn around like no you're gonna love me like we're gonna yeah. be friends you're, you don't have a choice we're gonna yeah. figure this out why why are you saying this to me <laughs> yeah so but I have to agree with sometimes trolls feel like 
influencers are not real people. And so many times I get a lot of hate. So you're very blessed. I get a lot of hate, but also I guess because of the content I post, which is about like dating and men and women and stuff like that. So I often have guys commenting, oh, look at her. What is she? What is she? And then I reply and then they're like, oh, I never thought you're going to read it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, why do you? And I know that we heard this before, but we actually do have to have compassion for those people. Like what kind of feelings do you have to have inside of your body that you're going to go consciously insult somebody or ruin somebody's day or i mean if anybody listening to this and you have a fake account or a burner account or an account that you are like sending nasty rude messages please stop doing that yeah. and like just take a look inside of your soul and ask yourself why do i have this need to insult not just people online but like yeah what is it in me that is what's going on? Like you have to re-examine yourself because something's going on. That's not really normal, but yeah. No, it's difficult, you know? And it's like, you sign up to put your life out there. You sign up to share, you sign up to be a public figure, but, and you kind of expect like, oh, there's going to be like moments. Like you kind of know that there's like 90% that loves you and maybe there's 10%. And when you look at the big picture, you're like, whatever, like who cares Mm -hmm. about them? But it does hurt sometimes, you know, it does kind of sting and it's, It's difficult to kind of manage that, but I try not to give it too much life because I feel like once you highlight, like I'll give you an example. I had a a woman that like said something not so nice recently on a picture and I responded back to her and I never, like I never, ever, ever like respond in a in a clap back way that's oh, just I always me. do that I'm so rude I'm like I love you know what I love sorry to cut you off but what I love uh, when trolls like leave a comment I'm like tell me more because then they comment more and I'm like thank you you're like blowing up my video yeah well see that's like the thing that I don't like so I think I clap back on this one and it turned into a threat and I was like oh yeah. shit like why did I even yeah. say anything yeah I could have just easily ignored but that's it. boosting your video so that's amazing oh you know what maybe I'm taking some tips here <laughs> <laughs> well you were saying what somebody left a rude comment on your photo so then I had responded back And then you have, you know, everybody liking my comment or starting a thread on that one. But, you know, to be honest, it's just so much easier to like ignore it and like focus on the 90 people that are like, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. And like, we love you. You know, so sometimes you allowing one person or two people on your post to say something negatively, it's taking away from like the other 90% that are so kind to like respond back to those people. Don't, mm-hmm. don't give your energy to energy suckers, you know? So like I call them energy vampires. Like they just want to yeah. take your soul. So, and you know what it is? Usually people who leave those nasty comments are people who are not getting enough attention in real life. So they're trying yeah. to say something so provocative or so, you know, something you're going to notice and that's their yeah. way of getting attention. And sometimes like we should just should not feed into it. But sometimes I like, like to reply because as I said, it helps my um, engagement. <laughs> when it comes to your career right now, what is your main thing? Like what are you focused on mostly? Obviously there's the show and there's social media, but like, what would you say takes most of your time? Yeah. So right now is actually a fun, a fun transition for me because I've gone from having this full-time job 
to then filming for like six months out of the year to now like I'm not like I don't have anything taking up my calendar right so I'm essentially building my personal brand so this is where I'm really trying to make that transition of not just being you know a TV personality and having the show and I want to highlight that as well but I also want people to see another side of me on these social media channels which is so empowering because I get to post whatever I want to post. I get to be super creative. I get to sit back and say, do I want to do a dance video today? Do I want to do a fashion video today? Do I really like this, you know, South Asian designer out of Dubai? Do I want to reach out to her and say, hey, let's collaborate and like figure out a way to highlight your pieces? It is the most fun I've had in the longest time. I am just on a high right now. I feel so happy for the first time in six years because I have a platform now. I can actually reach out to creators that inspire me. I can actually work with these people that like I've dreamt of working with. And so I'm really at this point in my career where I'm creating opportunities for myself and I'm not getting so caught up on the revenue aspect of it, how I'm going to monetize it. I'm just having fun right now. I'm finding my rhythm. I'm getting creative. I'm allowing myself to try different things to see what works for me, what I enjoy, what I don't like. And it's really just, it's just kind of creative right now. And I'm allowing myself a year or two to do this to really solidify who I am and to really solidify my personal brand. For somebody who wants to get in the social media space, can you share any advice or tips or tricks? So I have to be honest. I can't take the credit of being somebody that, you know, like sat here and was churning out videos every day and then got this following. I was very blessed to have the show that, you know, people followed me from that platform and I was able to grow it from there. It's very difficult to get that initial start. But what I will say is cross collaborate with people. So then that way you can share audiences, post a minimum of three times a week, make sure that you're being that you're sharing yourself authentically in your posts. You know, I think that we're we're having a transition right now in social media. I think millennials at one point in time were very curated with their content. They were very structured, whether that was like a grid that was like all the same color, whether that was like out, like perfect outfits and perfect poses. Gen Z is wild. They don't <laughs> want none of that. They don't want filters. They don't want like editing. They just want it to be raw, real. Like, who are you? It has like people are just very in the moment right now. So if you're somewhere and you see something that is funny or inspires you or you think is cool, like take a video, post it on TikTok. Like don't think so much about it. I think that that's like the one thing that I've had to kind of switch is like, don't get so in your head of like, is this picture perfect? Like, should I post this one or should I post this one? Like if you like both of them, post both of them. Like it's mm -hmm. fine. Like have fun with it. And you're going to find the people that are going to gravitate towards your style. So Try not to put yourself in a box by being a specific, you know, um, genre, you know, mm -hmm. it's okay if you want to like switch it up. Like sometimes I'm posting Indian songs. Other days I'm posting like Tupac the other day, like I'm posting <laughs> an Arabic song, like whatever I'm feeling that day is like what I'm going with. And it's my personality in real life. And I think that that comes through. You know, I love what you said about not thinking too much when you are, you know, stop being in your head. And I have this thing 
I heard at some at some point in my life, like the five second rule, if you have an urge to do something, let's say if you see a, somebody on the street, maybe you love their outfit and you want to ask them where they got that dress and you have this and you're like, oh, I want to go ask them. But then you get in your head like, oh, no, I'm not. It's, it's going to be weird. I shouldn't do that. If you act the first five seconds when you got this thought, initial thought, like you should just go for it because your intuition is telling you something. I mean, and this is a very, you know, basic example of a dress, but like if your intuition is telling you maybe go to that event or talk to that person, introduce yourself to that, you know, you never know where that's going to take you. And I feel like people should just listen to their intuition more. And I think that Gen Z is really doing that. And us millennials are kind of like still in our heads a little bit, because I remember the time when we all had those perfectly curated feeds and your life is picture perfect. And we're all, you know, billionaires relaxing on, you know, we're not doing anything, (laughs) you know, money's just flying in. I just hope that people listening to this, they know that social media is just the highlight of somebody's day. And there's so much more that goes behind. I mean, I even know sometimes people ask me, how do you do everything? Or like, how do you balance? And I'm like, I'm losing my mind a lot. Like I I have days where I don't even know where to start. I feel extremely overwhelmed. But I feel like a lot of people don't share that part of them. And I hope more people will because it's going to give like a more realistic picture of what really take like what what is it really it's not just it's not so easy to just like build a company or build a brand or become a social media personality mm-hmm. or like create content there's so much more that goes behind that i feel like people don't really share so yeah. i hope that you know this conversation might even inspire them to like start doing their own thing yeah and i mean like look at what's happening right now with like the kardashians like i feel like they're kind of like phasing out. They've, they've had an amazing run. And I think that they're like the most incredible businesswomen. But people are not intrigued by you sitting on your yacht and sharing how many like butlers you have with you. Like, yeah. that's, it's not coming a, a, across to everyone else. It's not fun anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not fun anymore. It's like almost like a little cringe, you know, like, and I feel like that's what Gen Z is doing is they're like, huh, like, why are you bragging? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's become I think that the the new platforms have become very authentic. Be real. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you right now? Show me where you're at. What are you doing? Like, you know, like they want authenticity and they're really kind of, you know, kind of scraping back all of these layers of like playing pretend on social media. So share more of yourself and just be authentic. Like even how we started this today, like I, we, you know, for those that don't know, like we were hosting something together and I immediately came up to you and was like, I want to be on your podcast. Like when can we chat? Like when can we chat? Like I want to learn more. I want to see what you're doing. So sometimes you also have to ask for those opportunities and just, you know, kind of like pitch yourself, pitch yourself. Yeah, you you <laughs> acted on the five second rule. You got an instinct and you just went for it. For somebody who is still a little shy to live their authentic self, is there something that you can say? Because I feel like you never really had that issue or am I wrong? Like, I feel like you're just always very yourself. No, it took a while to get here. Interesting. It took okay, a while tell to me get more. here. Yeah. I think I was also very, like, it's funny because you'll see that journey on Family Karma, like season one, like, I feel like, uh, like, like I'm like the type of person, like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I have an opinion, but I don't know when to say it. Maybe I'm going to say it and then I'm going to regret saying it. Like I was still figuring out who I was as a woman and my opinion was changing so much that like, I didn't feel confident, you know, just speaking and being firm about how I feel about something because I'm like, 
well, next month, like I might change my mind. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I was so, um, and that's like the beauty of being a woman, right? It's like, you can change your mind and it's okay. If you like, you had an opinion yesterday and you, you know, decided you want to go in a different direction. That means that you're evolving and growing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so I've become comfortable today with recognizing that, Hey, listen, I may have opinions, but I am not the type of person and it's not my personality to always be in a room shouting my opinion and making some people feel like I, like I don't like the divide sometimes. If it's if I feel like I'm in a safe space, if I feel like I can if I'm having conversation with people that get me and are open to like, you know, just kind of uh, hearing me out, I'll feel very safe to share who I am, but it takes me a second to warm up. It takes mm-hmm. me a second to warm up. Like I'm not the loud, super alpha personality in the room. Like I want to be everyone's friend, but I don't think that you are going to get to know the inner layers of me right off the bat. I'm going to need some time to warm up. (laughs) No, I feel that. I feel that. Well, Monica, this was wonderful. And I feel like I finally got to know you a little bit better besides just seeing you at events and saying hi and bye. So I'm very happy you came on the show and I would love for everybody to follow you. So please share your socials and everything else. Oh, thank you guys so much. And thank you for having me. I like, I enjoyed this so much. And it's nice to know that I have a girlfriend now in Miami that I can just connect with outside of (laughs) taking pretty pictures. We can go to coffee and just chill and get real with each other. So thank you so much for having me. And you guys can follow me on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube at Monica Vaswani. Amazing. And where can they see the show? On Bravo TV. It streams on Peacock. We're on Amazon Prime, Hulu. So feel free to go ahead and watch the show and can't wait to connect with you guys. Amazing. I know what I'm going to be binging tonight. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you, Monica. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.